Welcome back to Apologetics for Tweens. I'm Tom Griffin. Today, let's talk about prayer. Critics say it's worthless and many prayers go unanswered. What can we know about prayer? Well, let's start with our own prayer. Lord, thank you for everything you do for us, all our blessings, and especially for sending Jesus to save us from our sins. I pray that this message will reach all those who need to hear it and that in hearing, it will help them recognize you in their lives and seek you in a different, uh, deeper way, find you and believe. May everyone who already knows you, Lord, maintain their faith and be confident to share about you with others. Amen. Here are a few questions that my students frequently ask when I teach about prayer. First, if God knows my prayer beforehand, what's the purpose of prayer? Well, I would say that prayer is mainly for us, not for God. Indeed, he does know what our prayer will be and determined his response in an eternal moment before creation. He does not react to our prayer in real time. That would be a denial of his omniscience and impassibility, which is that he's not affected to emotion and response. He's not what we might say causally dependent on the actions of another person. He knows our prayer from eternity, but he determines and orders his response in our time according to his plan for our lives. Prayer is a way of maintaining communications with God deepening our relationship with him and dependence upon him, showing him our faith and trust, acknowledging his sovereignty, and finding peace by turning our worries and needs over to him. Once we fully understand God's omniscience, it can give prayer a power you may not have previously contemplated. Consider this. Since he hears our prayer from eternity, it could be that our prayers today can affect the past in advance of the occurrence of the past event, event, at least from our perspective. Now, how might that be possible? Well, from God's perspective, the past, present, and future are all together in an eternal moment. This is a difficult concept, but entirely within the scope of omniscience and eternality. Let's suppose I pray today that God provided every opportunity to help my father find salvation before his death 40 years ago, no matter what was required. Is there any reason not to believe God heard me and perhaps did so if it did not go against his plans at that time in the past? Now, to be clear, God already does everything to help everyone reach a salvation decision. So this is just an example I thought would be thought-provoking. It will make your prayers even more meaningful and powerful when you understand God's omniscience. It's really no different than praying now for a loved one still alive to find salvation. I cannot change God's mind or plan. I'm not asking them to reverse a decision. So any outcome must be within the scope of God's plans. But he knew I would make such a prayer before he created so it could be that my prayer request today was heard then and allowed as part of the plan God created for my father. 
as I said, certainly God provides opportunities anyway for everyone to find him and, and make a salvation decision. But perhaps my prayer today somehow helped my father even more. It gives my prayers an entirely new dimension and causes me to literally pray about everything that comes to mind now. Are there some things that I should not pray about? Scripture says you should pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6. However, it is also clear that prayers should be unselfish and not materialistic and focused on basic needs and God's kingdom. That's Luke 11, verses 2 and 3. The key to all prayers is to turn over the final decision to God by ending your prayer with something like, let your will be done, Lord. That was the final part of the prayer by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night of his arrest. Due to his great stress and concern about what was about to come, he prayed for the cup to pass him by, but then turned it over to the Father. What's the best way to pray? The only consistent things about how to properly pray are for prayers to be sincere and that you want God's will to be done, not yours. Prayer can be anytime, anywhere. Take a few seconds, or a few minutes, or even longer. Prayer can be for thanks, for petition, for forgiveness, for others, for healing, confession of sin, for help with anything, for praise and worship, or just to communicate with God. It can be verbal, or in your mind, or on your knees, or with your eyes wide open and arms extended to heaven. All prayer is meaningful. Prayer can be spontaneous or planned, can contain similar requests or new needs, but should not typically be a type of ritual memorization, although if it comes out that way, and you know, it could be okay as well. God wants whatever it is to be directly from our heart. That's the important thing. Next, if I do not pray, will God ignore my needs? No, God provides for our needs, Psalm 147, verse 9. And in Matthew, talks, Jesus talks about how God takes care of even the birds and the lilies of the field. So because we're even more significant, he'll take care of us as well. And this assumes we are saved, I would say, and that we have not rebelled to a state of separation from God due to unrepentant sin, God does discipline us and during periods of rebellion may allow or even cause impediments in our life designed to draw us back to him and to remember who is sovereign in the world. Now, in the Lord's Prayer, sometimes people ask, why would God consider leading or bringing us into temptation? This is uh, Matthew 6.13. Well, this piece of the what Jesus, or what we refer to now as the model, model prayer, causes confusion sometimes and may require a better translation. And according to the Pope, it did, and he did. But does it really? We recently saw the Pope created a controversy about this passage uh, several years ago. He said that Satan leads us into temptation, not God. Various Catholic factions around the world had already changed the citing of the passage to something like, do not abandon us in temptation. 
or do not let us enter into temptation, or do not subject us to the final test. James 1 verse 13 clearly says God does not tempt us. However, do we need a new translation? Some theologians disagreed with the Pope. The word in question in Greek is perasmos, which means both to tempt and to be tested. The Pope has actually stepped into a theological debate here about the nature of evil without full explanation. Millions of people around the world use and memorize this prayer. It seems unfruitful to retranslate it now to prevent the possibility that someone might misunderstand about evil and think God's involved. But what's needed is a better understanding of God and Satan and evil, not a retranslation of what was probably a correct translation to begin with. That seems to interfere with the concept of inerrancy. Jesus said the slave is not greater than the master, so we also will be tempted just as Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. What about the testing of Abraham and his son Isaac, or when God not only allowed Satan to test Jacob, excuse me, Job, continuously in some very difficult ways, but actually approved it during a dialogue with Satan? It seems clear that Satan is the instrument of temptation to entice us into sin, but also that God does allow that to occur and then uses, in some cases, Satan's temptations and influences to test our faith and in other ways to accomplish his purposes, as difficult as that may be to accept. But he always gives us, according to Scripture, a way to uh, find a way out and that he won't tempt us beyond our ability to deal with it. Finally, for non-believers or others who doubt the power of prayer, Craig Keener's remarkable comprehensive two-volume work called Miracles documents an extensive research project to investigate reported modern miracles. Narrowing from millions of reports worldwide, Keener settled on thousands where no natural explanation existed, multiple eyewitnesses were present, and their characters could not be assailed. Oftentimes the witnesses were non-believers and doctors, along with believers. To no Christian's surprise, a large majority of the miracles involved single or group prayer in advance uh, or during the reported miracle. Prayer is real, real, and one of the most powerful tools available to a Christian to help them in life. Take care for now and be safe, friends.